Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Friday edition. Yeah, it's the summer of Wagner. It continues. <laughs> no, it's look, if there's anybody that has earned and deserves a long weekend, it's Jeff. He'll be off Monday too, by the way. So yeah. If you had to choose, would you rather have no, he's taken both, it's fine. Would you rather have the Friday off or a Monday off? Remember when you were in school and every once in a while there would be a Monday or a Tuesday off. I remember this in high school especially. Oftentimes there would be a teacher's conference or convention that would give you a Thursday, Friday off. But let me tell you something. I am all about having Monday off. And I know that 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 is a hotly debated topic. I know that there are those of you, you kidding? No, no, no. Hear me out here. If you have Monday off, it's a double bonus compared to just a Friday off. If you have a Friday off, you have a short week and a long weekend. But working on a Friday, you often feel a little bit more upbeat anyway because it's Friday. You're okay working on Friday because you know the weekend's coming up. But if you have a Monday off, it makes your Friday better. It makes your Saturday better. And more than anything, and especially when we were kids growing up, right, or in school, if you had a Monday off, it makes your Sunday spectacular. You don't have to do the homework on Sunday. You can put it off another day. Then you enjoy your Monday off. And what happens when you're back Tuesday? It's not Monday. It's already Tuesday. And you have a four-day week. So it's a double bonus. Long weekend. And once you get back to it on Tuesday, you only got four days before there's another weekend. Anyway. If ever given the option, take the Monday rather than the Friday for the reasons I've just laid out. With you until 3 o'clock, or take them both if you can, like Jeff. (laughs) With you until 3 o'clock here on this Friday afternoon. We will have some fun on uh, or in the 2 o'clock hour, a little Friday fun. Jordan Gazarowski. But it's I'm in for Jeff. You're in for Kyle. It's uh, we'll make it through. You're yeah, working you on again, six. And, Scott? You're, you're working on six and a half hours behind the board. That's fine. Um, we were debating off the air. Two o'clock hour on Fridays. Jeff oftenly often has a pop culture corner. I leave that to him. That is his territory. That is his property. I uh, like to maybe just have a little Friday fun, a little Friday frivolity, debating a couple of things, and we'll get into that. But it's going to be something related to home. Work, not homework, but home space work. Might be related to home improvement, might be related to chores. We'll define that in the next little while. Um, the WIAA has said that we are going to maintain our fall sports season unless this particular school district cannot play in fall due to COVID, in which case we are going to offer some sort of a spring option. I don't know how that's going to work. 
I don't know that they know how that's going to work. I don't know how you crown a state champion if some people are playing in the... I don't know. My head hurts. Um, we have found at the collegiate level, it's a lot more cut and dry, at least for certain conferences. Of course, the Big Ten announcing a couple of days ago that they're going to scrap the fall sports season and maybe try for spring. The Horizon League has done the same thing. And, of course, the Horizon League is the conference for which our very own Milwaukee Panthers are a member. Yesterday, the board of directors that's made up of the chancellors and the presidents of the 12 universities of the Horizon League made the announcement that they will be no fall sports. They're going to bump it back, maybe bump it back to spring. They're going to wait to make that decision at a later point. So that impacts a lot of the students and the student athletes right here in our own backyard at UW Milwaukee. When we come back, we will talk over that decision, what it means for UWM, what it means for the local scene and, and collegiate sports as we know it. And a really tough, I think, conversation that um, athletes and coaches have had to have um, over the last 24 hours, certainly at Milwaukee. And she has been charged with having that conversation and directing the Department of Athletics. Amanda Braun will join us, the AD of the Milwaukee Panthers, when we come back. Scott Warris in for Jeff on WTMJ. Decision yesterday, Horizon League. To postpone the fall sports season. No guarantee that it'll happen in the spring. They've tabled that for a later discussion and a later vote. But like a lot of conferences, and it's a certain amount of momentum, I think, happening right now, there will be no fall sports for the Milwaukee Panthers. Pleased to be joined now on the First Midwest Bank Hotline by the Athletics Director at UW-Milwaukee. It's Amanda Braun. Amanda, hello. It's been a while. How are you? <laughs> hey, hey, Scott. I'm doing great. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on today. Appreciate I, it. I, I know your schedule's tight, so uh, let's jump right into it. Um in the statement that you put out yesterday, you talked about the difficulty in coming to this decision. What factors uh, played into the announcement and the ultimate decision yesterday? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, as everyone is talking about right now, for now five months, it's the, the health and safety of, of our student-athletes, coaches, and staff. And as we've sorted through all of this over the last few months, that's been primary and really the the only filter that we've we've worked through. Um, and, and ultimately, it was the decision that in order to keep everyone safe, we need to ride this out just a little bit longer and uh, not allow folks to come in contact with each other. I assume you've had to have conversations with your coaches, your fall sports coaches. And maybe many of the athletes, can you take us kind of behind closed doors and just explain and maybe describe what some of those conversations have, have been like and, and the response by your coaches and, and your fall athletes especially? Yeah, well, I just just got out of a meeting with all of our, our head coaches. Um, we do that almost weekly now with all of our head coaches. and. Uh, every week there's new information to digest and, and things to deal with, right, you know, from a campus community league and national standpoint. And so today we were all digesting together that decision. It, it's, you know, it's tough. You can see the looks on everyone's faces, even though we're on a, a Microsoft Teams call. We're not in the room together. It's uh, it's been it's been weighing heavily in our fall sport uh, coaches while they they 
completely agree and understand and are grateful for um, decisions being made that, that do prioritize our student-athletes and their safety, it's still very, very difficult. This is unprecedented for all of them and, and certainly not the jobs that they signed up for. Student-athletes, you know, they're pretty resilient. Uh, the, the tough conversations that, that are going to have to be had here about, uh, about how this year is going to look once they do return, you know, it's just uh, – it's just really hard to imagine what they're feeling right now, having been a student athlete myself. I, I honestly have thought about it so many times. So difficult. What happens to their eligibility? I know it, it, this past spring, those athletes, the NCAA granted you know a certain eligibility moving forward. Maybe this is a premature question, but have, have you been asked that? And, and how would that decision play out among the higher-ups? Yes. So yeah, those are all questions, right? And, and we're we're putting together an FAQ and a web page, resource page for our student athletes and staff and, and their families. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's going to be an NCAA decision, and they are working through that. They've got some preliminary um, recommendations, but it sounds like they want to extend that conversation. So the NCAA Board of Governors has extended what was a deadline for today to make some decisions about scholarship. Um, limitations and uh, eligibility clocks and number of years of eligibility to next Friday. So they're going to sort through that next week and, and kind of figure out exactly what that's going to look like for the upcoming year. I suspect it will look like something that we did with the spring athletes, right, who lost mm-hmm. out on seasons of competition, uh, but but we're not sure. So, yeah, it's, it's a kind of sit tight and wait uh, situation. Milwaukee Panthers Athletic Director Amanda Braun joining us here on WTMJ. Big picture, because you have relationships with your other, um, you know, athletics directors across the country, other schools of similar size, maybe smaller, some bigger. What have you learned maybe from talking to your peers across the country at those other schools of varying size when it comes to how they've approached this, when it comes to how their conferences are or have dealt with this? Yeah, we're all learning a lot from each other. You know, that's a great question, Scott, because this is unprecedented. So this is the time that we really, while we compete right on the court field and in the pool and that kind of thing, we're leaning on each other to sort through some of this and, uh, and it's not just logistics, right? How do you answer these questions? How do you put together this handbook? What are the policies you're implementing? It's it's how are you supporting your student athletes and coaches right now? How are we getting through this together? And so it's been invaluable. Um, you know, I've I've gotten resources from from ADs across the country. You know, what what did they put together for return handbooks and protocol and how they're getting their kids back on the court and on the field and. So it's been very, very helpful, and you can just imagine the array of things that keep popping up. You know, international students, how are we dealing with that? And, and everyone's campus is different, but but we're able to help each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. So while the fall sports season has been postponed and, and uh, the Horizon League committee, the board of directors, will circle back and see if spring is a feasible alternative at some point here, but the athletes are... Um, depending on where you are in the conference, and obviously we're talking here in Milwaukee, are allowed back on campus, and and they can have interaction, right? And, and there are certain, if you will, practices that they can have. Do do I have that right? And if so, 
what does that look like right now? I mean, you're on campus. What in the world does that? How do you have a soccer practice or a basketball? <laughs> what the heck is that looking like? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, interestingly, Scott, the the order here in Milwaukee does not allow for organized contact sport, mm. right? So we're we're really held to that standard, and um, and it's not safe really for us to be having any kind of contact. So mm-hmm. our, what the workouts look like now, and we do have our basketball student athletes back. They just returned. Is a, is strength and conditioning workout. So that weight room is set up. You, it's been, our staff has done an incredible job of preparing for return. So weight room is set up with social distancing, and you know they're not to go outside of a taped box and not have mm-hmm. to bring in their own water bottles. No locker room access. It's it's all of that. And and then there's some individual skill work that we can do that they aren't in contact with one another. And that's all being done very carefully. And similarly, you know, only a certain number of student athletes in a place at one time and, you know, sanitizing equipment and all of it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been quite a, it's been quite a lot of work for our staff, but we're committed to making sure our student athletes can be athletes, right. And can continue Mm -hmm. to train in whatever way possible. What do you expect as far as a timeline or a determination talking and looking ahead to winter sports? I mean, here we sit mid-August and, you know, certain deadlines and certain things have got to happen to prepare for the for the winter sports season, basketball primarily at, at Milwaukee. What would you anticipate in terms of a timeline for that? Yeah, I mean, we're starting that conversation Mm -hmm. now, right? We are turning the page on fall sports. We need to get answers on scholarship limitations, eligibility, but but winter sports will be next, and we'll go through the same process, I think, that we did with fall sports. The difference is going to be that football is not a factor in Division I uh, this go-around, right? This is going to be all Mm -hmm. about our winter sport programs and, and all 350 institutions do have basketball, right, in Division One. So I think there will be a more uniform approach. I think the NCAA national office, because they do oversee, you know, basketball and our winter sports as opposed to the, the football bowl subdivision that is not necessarily regulated their seasons mm-hmm. by the NCAA. Um, so I think we'll see a much more organized effort timeline, Boy, I, you know, I think by sometime in early October, we're going to need to have an understanding of what mm-hmm. the season's going to look like. Did you hear the idea yesterday? I know John Calipari talked about it. I don't know if Mark Emmert threw it out there as well, but, you know, a, the NCAA tournament, a bubble concept, just on first blush. What's your reaction to something like that? You know, I feel like you could probably do that with the NCAA tournament uh, for basketball. I'm not sure exactly what that would look like if right. you've got multiple cities involved in sites and trying to to limit the number of sites and cities, but it, they'll work through that, and, and that's something worth exploring, I think, because as we've seen with the NBA, it does appear to be working. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, uh, that, that's going to be just one of the many, many questions to be answered. It's just so – It's a, we'll let you go on this one, Amanda. Um, it's just – it can be overwhelming, I think, in all of our individual lives when we start trying to think and plan for two weeks out, let alone a month or two out. And yet, it's something that you're charged with and your colleagues are charged with, but it, it's a daunting task. You can be overwhelmed. I don't know how you do it without having that feeling of, oh, my gosh, how are we ever going to do anything? Yeah, well, you know, Scott, it's the athlete mentality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what we're in every day, and you just take 
one thing at a time and try to make a really good decision and then take the next one and gather information. And, and as you said it earlier, really lean on the people um, who are going through it with you and make sure that we keep that team culture intact because we're going to get out on the other side of this. And, and our hope is that we're better and we've learned a whole lot about ourselves and, and about this industry. Mm-hmm. Amanda Braun, the Milwaukee Panthers Athletics Director, giving us uh, some valuable time here on WTMJ. I know you're in the middle of a ton of meetings and conferences and whatnot, so we'll let you get back to it. Um, thanks for the time, Amanda. I, it means a lot, and uh, continued good health. Stay safe. Pre- appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. That is Amanda Braun joining us on the First Midwest Bank Hotline. By the way, by the way, at 1.45, so a little over an hour from now, I think it's the first time we've ever done this on the Wagnerless show, we are going to play virtual basketball. What? What is that? Oh, you don't know what it is? First of all, why aren't you listening to the night show? I know we haven't been on in a while because of baseball, but you got to be listening. Um, it's, 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 what would I say? It's like virtual baseball, except basketball hmm hmm so we're gonna do that at 145 and i've said it before eric bilstead is not here today he's off everybody's off today but i will tell you this pretty good at it so i'm just saying a little trash talk the more trash talk clean but creative the more trash talk you offer during virtual basketball, I, I, I like that. Gets the gets the blood pumping a little bit. So we'll do that in about an hour. And then after 2 o'clock, after the newscast at 2 o'clock, something very special. It involves your home stories. I, I, we got to work on it, Jordan. We have to work on it. We will. Before 1 o'clock, we will, we, we will decide, because I'm kind of going back and forth between these two things for, for some Friday fun. And... Um, I don't know. We have to discuss this. We're, we're debating. It, it involves work at home on a lighter note, because that, that's what we'd like to end a Friday. And of course, Grace Scott comes up as well. All right. Because we were just talking about the back to school in the athletics realm, I, I wanted to bring this up and I, I want your take on this. We know, and I think it's been proven that when you work from home, It benefits you to do what? To get dressed. Put your pants on. Don't, you know, take your cup of coffee and your robe and settle into your home office and do your job. And maybe, and I think for the most part, it's it's very much a a psychological thing. It gets you in the right frame of mind. It gets you to a place of mental clarity and you're sharper than you otherwise would be so that you can focus on the task at hand. I think in some respects, it's also good to do even if you're not working. Maybe if you want to have what I call a sloth day, go ahead. Every once in a while, I'll just do a sloth day. You know what I mean? You get up whenever you want to get up. Don't let the alarm wake you. And you just kind of shuffle your way around your house or your apartment. You flip on a day-long series of Law & Order SVU and you let it roll because I think Law & Order SVU is always on at some channel and some <laughs> at some point in time. Anyway, put that as... My point is this. T- 
to get dressed, to get up and get dressed is valuable. So the question is this, to the moms and the dads out there whose children may be starting this next school year either fully online or to some degree online, will you make your kids, will you make your kids get out of their pajamas before they start their online classes? And also, do you think it matters? I say yes. I think it does matter. It does play a role in getting, whether you're an adult or getting that child in a place mentally that he or she needs to do the activities, even if it's something, you know, as, as would you say, rudimentary by comparison to a, an adult's job of going to school. Even if it's kindergarten, first, second grade, third grade, things like that. 855-616-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I bring this up, and I tell you how I feel about it, because, believe it or not, there is a school district in Illinois, in Springfield, Illinois, that is weighing in on what they want to see out of the kids that are learning online this next school year. And it involves what they should wear. It involves what they should wear. And while their jurisdiction may or may not cross over into people's homes and be able to dictate what kids should wear, I think they have a point. I think there's value in doing this. 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're listening right now and in your pajamas at 1241 in the afternoon, I want to know why you haven't decided to put on regular clothes and go on with your day as well, because you can make that argument. But 855-616-1620. The value of getting out of your pajamas, putting on regular clothes, and going to work, at home, or specifically going to school, albeit virtually online from your home, when we come back. My point is that the onus should be on the parents. (laughs) The onus should be on the parents. And yes, kids should... Wear regular clothes, even if even if you are learning virtually for a while. Uh, let's see, on the text line here, 414 texter says, My son will be at Golda Meir and my daughter at Rufus King. They are required by the school to be dressed. I am cool with it. See, it, the, the thing with that and the thing with the school district down in Springfield, Illinois, is that it's in the handbook. The handbook has parents upset because it states that students who are enrolled in remote learning must follow the dress code that applies to students on school property. So basically, you can't wear pajamas. And parents are upset. The school district hasn't exactly said how they plan to enforce this, if they plan to enforce this, or if it's just kind of an obligatory bullet point in the handbook for consistency's sake from when there is in-person school again. 
262 says, absolutely yes, teaches children self-discipline and respect for self-others. Uh, for self and others. I agree with that. I, I think it's something that is important. It'll make them a little bit more sharper. It will, you know, put them in the right state of mind for learning. However, what exactly is a school district going to do? I mean, I kind of understand if they're just doing this, like I say, because they feel obligated to, but how would you enforce this? All right. The Springfield, Illinois school district says you can't wear pajamas. Okay, my, my other question would be, what else is in the dress code that, that students have to obey? I mean, there are some schools and some school districts that have stricter dress codes than others. What if you have uniforms? Should you have to wear your uniform if you're le- learning virtually? Mitch in Sturgeon Bay, I'm with you, Scott. Dress for success. Your appearance Per the venue, can prep your brain to function in that venue, especially inside developing brains, such as the case with young people, uh, helps to develop a work ethic as well. <laughs> okay, 414. Um, to parents here, if I would let my child wear pajama bottoms and a collared shirt, no one would know the difference. Yeah, you're kind of right with that. As long as they're sitting and all you see them, you know, from the from the chest up, collared shirt, wearing shorts and flip flops, that could be. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. How people are asking how, how how does the school enforce this? I I think, and haven't we seen this with other things in life right now in society? To put forth a guideline, a rule, a law, an ordinance, whatever it is, and then to be asked, okay. How do you plan on enforcing this? And sometimes I think we would all agree in all these different walks of life, there are rules, guidelines, laws, ordinances that may be on the books, whether in a state statute, whether in a school's handbook, that let's just say the enforceability is a little bit iffy, right? I would classify this one. While I agree with the decision, I think it's an important thing for parents to do. I don't know that the school is going to enforce this, and how would you do it anyway? I don't get that. But what other things? I'm trying to think. I was in high school. I went to a private high school. What other? What other? What other dress code things did you have? What, what did we have? You couldn't. You, the, the boys in high school, you couldn't have any facial hair except a mustache because some boys, you know, they start growing. I remember in high school, we had, there were some of, I, I wasn't one of them, but there were a couple of, you know, a couple of guys in high school that <laughs> puberty said, all right, we're going to ramp it up. And they had their, they, they had their mus- mustaches growing. Um, I don't think, could guys wear earrings in our high school? I don't think so. There was a certain point at which you could wear shorts. Do schools still restrict that? You could only wear shorts during certain months, like maybe August, September. Was it October 1st? I think maybe October 1st you had to stop wearing shorts. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it was in April and May you could wear shorts. 
I'd be curious to know if that's still in effect. What about you, Jordan? How strict do you remember some of the rules? You, you're much closer to have, being, have been in high school than I. Do you remember some of the dress code items? At the top of my mind, we were not allowed to wear hats in the building. That's another one? Yes. No hats of any kind. I can't think of any other ones, you know, off mind right now, but that was the one that came to my mm-hmm. mind pretty quickly. No facial... Could you have facial piercings? I think we had a... I, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I want to say we had a... Maybe no facial piercings. It's pretty strict. It's like playing for the New York Yankees back in the day. <laughs> you they, mean like no, they, like no, like uh, no nose rings at all? Yeah, like for you or like pierced ears? I, no, exactly. And so every time I'd wake up, my mom or my dad would drive me to high school, and then before I got out of the car, Scott, Scott, got to take out the nose ring. So then I have to take out my nose ring, and then my eyelid piercing too. I'd have to take those out before I could go into the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't good. I think also another thing that comes to mind is some shirt designs were not allowed. Yeah. Do, okay, this is funny you bring this up. I remember being in seventh or eighth grade, and there was a ban on Bart Simpson shirts. That's when the Sim- so what we're talking. Let's see. This was this was ninety four, ninety five. And I remember that's when the Simpsons were really gaining national uh, notoriety. They were maybe around for five or six years. And, of course, Bart Simpson was this edgy character. He was. Now we laugh. But Bart Simpson was this edgy character. Remember what his line would be? Eat my shorts. Yes. Eat my shorts. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Did you, that cartoon boy says, eat my shorts. You know, he had a uh, don't have a cow, man. But I remember in grade school... We could not, this was 7th and 8th grade, we could not wear any Simpson gear or anything like that. Boy, I haven't thought of that in a long time. It's funny, too. Now we're getting off, but that's okay. We're getting off on a tangent. The Simpsons, by the way, do you remember, to my point, started out and Bart was like the central character. For the first, would you say, 10 years it was it was a show around Bart, and he's this wild. I don't know how old is Bart, Bart Simpson's got to be how old? Ten. Well, he seems like he's the same age every well, single every, year. They're, they're the all past, the same. Like thirty years. Yes, exactly. And he was the central character. All the shows were written around him, and he would get in trouble. And then, as the series has gone on to even more greater things, Homer is the guy. Now, now it's what is Homer doing? What trouble will Homer get into? Um, but anyway. Yeah, school dress codes. When you start thinking back, somebody else texted in, no jeans. You cannot wear jeans. That would be difficult. That really would be. Yeah, somebody says, what do they do going back to the the rules for kids that are learning virtually? What do they do if you don't follow the dress code? They send you home? <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, but he'd, hey, get out of the living room and go to your room. And that's being told to you by the principal? That does not make any sense at all. But be curious to find out. If anybody over the next several months, over this next school year, if, if, if you come across a situation where you are violating the dress code as a student while learning online and you get punished, your school decides to enforce the dress code, call me 
email me and tell me what exactly they did. Who did they send? Did the principal come knocking on your door? Uh, we saw you in English class uh, yesterday uh, at 1 o'clock, and you were wearing a, um, a pajama, <laughs> pajama top. If that happens, I would like to hear about it. So follow up with me, won't you? Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner. Real quick, let's go out to the phones. Dennis in Hartford. Good afternoon, Dennis. Hi, how you doing? Pretty good, buddy. What you got? Well, I was just going to tell you, you guys seem to be complaining about some of the clothing rules. Well, I went to high school in the early 60s. And then in Milwaukee, high school in Milwaukee, and then you could not wear jeans. You had to wear, like, dress pants, either black, blue. You had to wear shirts that were, usually they wanted white. But, you you know, no sweatshirts. In the wintertime, when you had to wear something, you could wear a sweater, but no, absolutely no logos on the sweater. Hmm. And you had to have a belt. If you didn't have a belt, you'd sit in the principal's <laughs> office. You had to have a belt. So you guys, you'd complain about. Some of the stuff you're complaining about. And, of course, body piercing. What was body? There was no body piercing back then. Yeah, I assume, Dennis, if you're not allowed to wear, you know, uh, jeans or anything like that back in the 60s, I assume there were no nose piercings allowed either. (laughs) (laughs) No. Nobody would even know what that was. Like, even earrings. I mean, if you went to school with an earring back in the 60s, I mean, you would have been beat to a pulp by the rest of the boys. (laughs) I mean, come on. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, Some of you on the text line also saying no no shorts. You know, the the problem with that is how many of these schools were air-conditioned back in the 70s is when somebody said, you want to be in... And even when we were growing up, I mean, not every school has air conditioning or central air, whatever you want to call it. I still remember in grade school, I don't know that we even had, I don't think we had air conditioning in our grade school. So there would be the, there would be those box fans. You'd have a couple box fans in the back corner and all it's doing is blowing warm air around. Then you had gym class and you got that smell. You know what that smell is. Although I also understand they're much more vigorous with showering. Um, or they were at one point. Do do kids still shower after gym class in high school anymore? I'd be surprised. I want to say no. Did you have to shower after gym class in high school? It wasn't forced upon us. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I I graduated seven years ago. Oh, that's fairly recently. Was it mandated for you? No, it wasn't. (laughs) And so, because (laughs) of the, yeah, all three of us, we all know that smell. So you'd have these hot classrooms without air conditioning and just fans blowing around that hot air, and then you got the smells because it's the sun is beating in and ah yes, what do we call that everybody ah the good old days the good old days, <laughs> and that was today's edition of Back in My Day. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Okay, I didn't get to this text before the news, but think about what our, our last caller said. 
about what he could not wear when he was in high school, 60s, and some of you texting in high school in the 70s, no blue jeans, girls in skirts only, no jeans, collared shirts with no lettering, no tennis shoes, trim your hair. Then I got this text. I graduated from Germantown. The Warhawks, right? Go Warhawks! I graduated from Germantown in 2016. Had almost no dress code. I showed up in full pajama attire. Pajama, by the way. Pajama. Um, uh, I showed up in full pajama attire several times a week. Sometimes I even brought a pillow. And apparently nobody said anything. Now, I remember that in... It was like homecoming week. One of the days would be pajama day. But maybe in some schools there's more pajama days. Let's see. 262. Given how some of my students smell coming to my class straight from gym class, I'm certain showers are not required. Well, there you go. There's the end. That's kind of what I thought. That is kind of what I was thinking. Well, maybe they don't shower to begin with. Maybe that's the reason. No, no. Like, I, yeah, when I was in high school, it was an option. It was, you, you could shower if you want. And, like, nobody did. If you're going to give kids, nobody wants to, nobody wants to take showers in the middle of the day, right? Like, let's get real here. Yeah, sanitary reasons would probably say you better do it, but I don't think they're doing it anymore. Now you play sports, something after school, that's different. But in the middle of the day, mm, no. I do remember sometimes... When was this? This was in high school. They man I'm sorry, in grade school, like eighth grade, they mandated it. So then like everybody would just stick their head in the shower because then there was the gym teacher would stand out the hall, like make sure you showered or something. And then you just get your hair wet or stick your head under the sink for a moment and dampen your hair. And then you walk out and go, oh, see, all right, fine. I don't know. You re- there's always ways of getting out of doing some of those things, right? Okay. I have a question that's been on my mind for a while as I've watched a particular story unfold. Let me say it that way. What is your opinion of Ellen DeGeneres? What is your opinion of Ellen? Hmm? I mean, over the last, what you say, six, seven weeks or so, there have been reports that her staff, her production company, her television show has deteriorated, shall we say, to a point where there are some serious accusations in terms of sexual harassment, um, accusations to this point only of racism. But there's also been, a, a, I guess, a wider net cast about who she is as a person. And while I have always said, we don't know who celebrities are. All we know about celebrities is what we see of them on television or on the big screen. Same with athletes. All we know as to who these athletes are are when they're on the court, on the field of competition. And quite frankly, that's all that we should really expect because they are fallible humans And while we may want our athletes, while we may want our movie stars and our television celebrities to be the wholesome, if not altogether kind, gentle person that 
we perceive them to be as they portray themselves in their various industry. We may want that. We're naive to think that. But what we are watching, and I think what is happening to Ellen DeGeneres right now, is very interesting because she has painted herself. She has portrayed herself to be. Would I say the Queen of Nice? That moniker was once put on Rosie O'Donnell. How'd that work out for us? Mm. <laughs> um, and the issue that I take with how Ellen has gone about this is that she has put that mantra on herself. Now you could say, well, Ro- Rosie didn't maybe claim that, but that was put on her. But when you have a celebrity, when you have a celebrity that uses a a mantra of being kind and generous and she has been and and nice and that's part of the shtick hmm? that's part of the line that we are fed and then when you start finding out you know what maybe not so much what is your reaction to that you disappointed Are you upset you go doggone it shame on me for thinking more of Ellen than maybe really is. 855-616-1620 on the Acuna Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It, and I think maybe we can broaden it out and, and use this as a bit of a, a lesson for those of us who maybe buy into celebrity images and believe who they are based on what we see not because we know them or how they are behind the scenes, but because of how they portray themselves and how they are portrayed through whatever medium they work. 855-616-1620. It is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And like I say, I've been, I've been thinking about teeing this one up for a while as all these reports have come in. And there have been some substantiated reports by other actors and actresses as to how she treats guests on her show and things like that. But the bottom line is this image of this woman that was so very rosy and positive and kind and fun-loving has been tainted. Has been tainted by the way her production company runs, has been tainted by the way that people are claiming she treats people, other celebs and things like that. And as the consumer, what's your reaction? You bummed out by it? Are you kind of thinking shame on me for buying into it or not? The down, I didn't say that maybe the, if I were to call it the downfall of Ellen might be an overstatement. I think she's going to start up her show again soon. But Bloom is off the rose, right? Bloom is off the rose no matter how. The show rebounds and comes back. We'll take your calls and your texts, 855-616-1620. Scott, in for Jeff on a Friday. (laughs) Jeff Wagner show on a Friday. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff. 262. Ellen comes off on TV as clever, quirky, comical, but it seems like that could be a facade based on some of these insider reports. Well, she still could be clever. She still is quirky. She could still very much be comical, but 
the nice factor. And I guess the umbrage, oh, I'm taking umbrage. The umbrage that I take is that the aw shucks nice person was peddled by her. That was part of the drumbeat of her success. That's, as I said last segment, that was part of the shtick. It's one thing to have those adjectives placed on you. It's another thing to use that as part of your image and building yourself up. That's where I feel a little bit like, a little duped, I guess. And you know, you guys know that I'm, I, I usually have a very suspicious eye when it comes to things of this nature, but is Helen? Hmm. There's something else I, I want to make a point about from the production company side, her shows and, and some of the, the heat she's getting for it. Uh, let's see. Another texter. Ellen would end her shows with, let's be, uh, I should mention, I have not watched a full episode of the Ellen show in a long time, but you know, I've, I've seen segments, I get it. Ellen would end her shows, the texter says, with let's be kind in recent years. Hmm. I'm incredibly disappointed with the accusations being stated about her. As a teacher, I appreciated everything her show and team has done for teachers and education. Yeah, I, I think... See, here's another tough quandary to the 262 texture that you're in. She has done good deeds. There have been some very generous actions on her behalf and some remarkable shows of generosity by her talk show, by her program. Given away probably what million millions of dollars at this point. She's always given away something. She kind of took the baton from Oprah in terms of the, hey, if you go to an Ellen show, you might get something. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> there's another factor to consider. Her show, and she has continued to do generous things. And yet, on the other hand, you hear these reports and these accusations and whatnot, and and you go, well, there's this, but there's that. How am I supposed to feel? I'm supposed to think about this. Jim from Oconomowoc. Ellen uh, acknowledged she was gay about 20 years ago. Was that 20 years ago already? Was that back in 2000? Remember she had the sitcom? It was a great sitcom. The sitcom was a hit. And the network canceled her original show that that the Ellen show I think was the name of it um as a result she rose from the ashes as Jim says and has done well with this second show she has a reason to be harsh and demanding at times yeah i i mean i, I i'm not bemoaning her second career as an openly gay woman that has, you know, allowed her new heights of success, even from that original sitcom. But does it give you, does it give you an excuse to, to be mean? Mitch from Sturgeon Bay asking, was there one particularly damaging testimony made against Ellen? What and by who? Well, this goes to the, to the show itself. There have been multiple accusations by 
current and former staffers, some interns, as it pertains to sexual harassment, as it pertains to accusations of of racism. There has been some upheaval in the staffing, I understand it, in recent weeks where they have fired some people. It was made of, there were three or four higher-ups, producers, directors, but of Ellen that she just was not the cheery, friendly, sunny disposition that she was on screen. She she wasn't that off-screen. When you have... An entity like that, I can only imagine, when you have an entity like that, I, I would say this, you lose some control. But when your name is on it, I put a lot of stock in the buck stops here. And so when your name is on a product, yes, it is ultimately your responsibility. And, and she has released some statements, and some have been critical of them, where she has said it, sto- it starts and stops with me. Some people said she hasn't gone far enough. You can debate that. But when your name is on a product, in this case a television show, you have a responsibility for everything that happens beneath you. Even if, let's get real here, you're not able to babysit and monitor working relationships all the way down through the producers, directors, the technical side of things, all the way through the internship ranks. You can't do that. Just like any CEO or president of an organization or a company is just simply not able, the larger it gets, is just simply unable to monitor and tend to hurt feelings and other perhaps accusations down the line. That's where you need good people around you. That's where you need to hire those people who you trust and you know are good people and will handle problems within your organization effectively and efficiently. That, however, appears to be where Ellen has screwed up, whether it's been over the course of now this talk show, which is, what, 15 years old or something like that, over the course of the run, has allowed that, uh, would you say, responsibility to deteriorate among those at the second tier of the organizational chart. So I understand that she can't be hung out to dry for things happening way down the organizational chart because she's not overseeing that on a day-to-day basis. But if your name's on it, and it's on it, and you've made hires, and you've put people that you think are are right and good and deserve to be there, if you've put them in those positions, then you are responsible to some degree because the buck ultimately does stop with you. In the end, it is a reminder, I think, it is a reminder that When we, I'll finish the way I started, when we watch a television show, when we watch a movie, when we're looking at movie stars and television stars and athletes, if that's the realm, when we do that and we perceive them one way, whether we're fed that narrative or it's just on us inferring athletes or otherwise, when we do that, check ourselves and remind ourselves we really don't know who these people are we really don't and it's great to think they are this way but there's always a chance because they're human that there may be qualities that we don't like 
and what we're seeing, what we're being fed, may not ultimately be reality. Yeah, a couple of you have made this point on the text line. You know, it's not, although in a much more serious fashion, it, it's not all together unlike the comments we made during uh, really the, um, we say the, the, the heat or, or the heart of the, the Me Too movement a couple of years ago when, you know, there were people being um, shown to be just truly putrid pieces of humanity left and right and the all the 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 tv and the 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 um movie celebrities that were laid waste because of what they were doing to women it's it's the same premise we we just we don't know i mean my god bill cosby hello bill cosby right we just don't know um somebody once said everybody has three sides to themselves you you have your your personal your personal life your personal side, the public side that everybody knows. Let me do this. The public side, your your personal life, and then the side of you that only you know. Only you know. It's something to remember. Hmm. You just heard Rusty there in the newscast so yesterday the um the mayor of wauwatosa dennis mcbride right he was on with john on wisconsin's afternoon news but he issued that statement kind of lengthy statement reiterating the rules and regulations the wauwatosa city ordinance restricting restricting the hours that protesters can protest restricting where they can protest and kind of just what would you say reminding them the rules hmm? right but as tmj4 reports and as you just heard in rusty's cast so last night it, it, we should point out as you if you've been following it one of the rules is you can only protest from what noon to eight noon to eight under city ordinance i know steve talked about it earlier this morning too but so they showed up last night at the mayor's house at midnight. <laughs> TMJ4 reports the mayor of Wabatosa says protesters arrived at his house after midnight in defiance of the city's ordinance, and they stayed until about 2 a.m. On Thursday, Mayor Dennis McBride, I just said, said under city ordinance, protests aren't allowed after 8 o'clock. Police are going to start enforcing the rules more heavily. City's ordinance also prohibit protests from being on private property or residence and cannot block traffic. So what happened last night? They showed up after 8 o'clock, midnight, at the private residence of the mayor and stayed until 2 a.m. He says they showed up, I'm sorry, at 12.30. Maybe they were late. And threw toilet paper into the trees on his property. McBride says he doesn't he does support the protesters, but they gotta follow the rules. He says, I say it's a very bright line. Protest peacefully and no one will bother you. Break the law and you'll pay the consequences. You'll suffer the consequences of that. What am I supposed to do? Ignore violations of law? No. There are rules for everything. Now here's the here's the money line. McBride says last night, 
when they showed up after 8 o'clock at his property, blocked traffic, I assume, on the roads. Mayor said no arrests or citations were given last night. But the police department was able to identify some protesters and citations will be given. So, I mean, if you're the... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, right? Because it's, it's a serious situation, especially if you're neighbors. Hello. But I realize it's a really difficult spot for any, in this case, mayor, elected official, to be placed in when it comes to allowing the protest to happen while also recognizing there are certain regulations and rules by which you need to abide. And yet I would say to this point, well, I should say maybe up until 1230 yesterday or 1230 this morning, as it were, I thought McBride has done a pretty good job. Just personally, I mean, I think he is trying to withhold drawing conclusions from what happened over the weekend because he wants to see videotape and wants to have the investigation happen. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I'd love to see some more tape myself. Isn't it amazing, by the way, what happened last weekend at Officer Mensa's house? What struck me is the lack of footage. I mean, think about it. It's not everything recorded. And I know that there has been one recording from a neighbor, like across the street, not an angle. But other than that, have you seen, correct me if I'm wrong, has there been other footage released? It's just, it's, it's remarkable that in an age when Somebody's in trouble. Something's going wrong. There is a ruckus happening over there. What's the first thing people do before they even think about calling authorities or getting help? Grab your phone! And yet, there is a remarkably... Or or there is a remarkable shortage of footage of what happened at Mensa's home over the weekend. Okay, but back to last night. So, up until 12.30 this morning, I was like, all right, McBride is is saying, look, enough's enough. I'm going to respect your right to protest, but you're going to follow the rules and the ordinance, and we are going to enforce this. And then and then in the wee hours of the morning, they show up at his house, and no arrests or citations were given last night. And they say they've identified some and they'll citations later, but I don't know. I mean... Is that going to happen? We'll see. We will. It's a fine line. I get it. These these elected officials are in a difficult position because you, you should be serving your entire constituency, right? Everybody. Some of them are protesters. Some of them are not. And they're on all corners of the spectrum, but... It was, it was, when he was, when was he on with Mercure? Maybe, what, was four o'clock hour yesterday? Yeah, okay. So 420. He was on yesterday at 420. Eight hours later, the protesters are at his house and nothing happened. I just find that it's, at, at best it's ironic. At worst it's troubling and disturbing. Is it not? I don't know. Leadership. Just saying, Scafidi has said it all many, many years, leadership is hard. And as I have said 
particularly as it relates to the pandemic, but it can be applied to other areas of life as well. Just because, just because someone is elected or appointed to a position of leadership, that does not mean that he or she has the innate qualities and traits to be a leader, let alone a good and an effective leader. So I know John will have more on what is happening in Wauwatosa coming up later this afternoon on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Okay, for the first time, I believe for the first time in the history of the Wagner List program, we are going to do a little something that we've been doing on the night show and other opportunities when I'm on the air, and that is virtual basketball. I will tell you this right now. Bucks are getting ready for the playoffs. They'll open up on Tuesday afternoon against the Orlando Magic in Orlando. By the way, given the Magic home court advantage for all seven games, I think that's very unfair. I don't know why no one's holding the feet of Adam Silver to the fire. I think that's unfair. Bucks have the best record in the NBA, yet they're supposed to play in Orlando. And if it goes seven games, all seven games are going to be there. I think that's patently unfair. But I digress. So we need a contestant. Let's take caller number 11. Caller number 11 to 855-616-1620. If you're asking yourself, what is virtual basketball? Don't worry. Just call. We'll explain it to you. 855-616-1620. Caller number 11 to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The talking more advantageous than texting. We'll have a little fun. It's Friday. It's 84 degrees. Let's have some fun, shall we? Caller 11, virtual basketball. I plan on beating you just so you know going in. But we'll take caller number 11. Hi, this is a message for me about the NBA theme. Here's an idea. It goes like this. It's basketball time on WTMJ. Well, sort of. This is your chance to compete just for fun in a game of virtual basketball. That's right. No prizes. No actual basketball. It's virtual basketball. Only on WTMJ. Oh, 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 yes, indeed. Making a little Wagner show history here on a Friday. I should point out, this will be the 13th week that we play virtual basketball. I am 10-2. and two. I am 10-2, and two, so I just throw that out there. Let's head to the phones. The victim, I'm sorry, I mean the contestant... Today, Peggy in West Bend. Good afternoon, Peggy. Good afternoon. Hello. Do you have any basketball in your history? Did you play basketball? Have you coached basketball? Do you have a child that plays basketball? Are you married to a basketball player? None of the above. (laughs) None of the above. Absolutely nothing. Have you ever seen a basketball game? Have you attended a basketball game? Yes, I've seen the box play, yes. Okay. We will take that. All right, so it's Peggy in West Bend. She will be my opponent this afternoon. To be, this is very special. This is very special. He got up just for this because he is usually fast asleep at this time on a Friday afternoon. He is producer extraordinaire. Greg Pancake Hill has come in just to host virtual basketball, usually the producer behind the glass on WTMJ Nights, baseball game. You're awake. Look I'm at here. you. Wow. Yeah. The sun comes up. This is what the building looks like 
under sunlight. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Pancake, you've made the trek in from Parts Unknown. Give Peggy the rules. Okay, let's do it. Let's play virtual basketball. It's quarter-pounders for everybody. All right, so Peggy, here are the rules. I have randomly numbered 20 bucks possessions. Now, some possessions score points and others do not. Peggy, you and Scott will each get five possessions to score as many points as possible, and we will alternate possessions just like in real basketball. If you miss a shot or commit a turnover, that is an empty possession. But if the Bucks player who is fouled during his shot and make if he's fouled during a shot, he makes it. That is the and one. You'll automatically get that extra point. I have also within the twenty highlights. Are you yelling or is it just my headphones? Am I, am I yelling? I'm, it, this, I, I'm just yelling at night. It's nighttime. I'm just yelling to get everyone awake. I guess everyone's already why, awake. Why is he yelling at us? I'm so excited because within these twenty highlights, I have one. Four-point play that could move the needle one way or the other. Now, if both teams are tied after five possessions, Will will give you, Peggy, the last second shot opportunity, but we will explain it if we get there. Peggy, are you ready to play? I am ready. Go ahead. All right, Peggy, you are up. The ball is yours. Go ahead. One through 20. Pick a number. 12. Number 12. Here we go. Bledsoe to inbound. Bucks got to hurry here. They lob it into Giannis. Caught it! Slammed it! How about that? Bledsoe lobbed it to Giannis to make it 56-54. Hmm. All right. Okay, very good. She starts with a slam. Eh, my defense is usually pretty good out of the gates. Uh, let me please have number two. Number two. Number two. Here mm-hmm. we go. Frank behind a screen by Robin Lopez. Out to Thanasis. He drives and slams. Oh. Another Adetokounmpo getting into the action here. Bucks lead by 10. Make it two. And after one possession, game is tied 2-2. Peggy, the ball is yours. Number 11. 11. Here we go. Finish mid-range with those runners. Driving Bledsoe. Kick it out to DJ Wilson, who stepped out of bounds. There we go. Hit a three, but it doesn't count. Ooh. Wipe, the, uh-huh. wipe it off. Wipe it off. All right. Got to take the lead here. May I please have highlight number three? Number three. You guys are making me work today. Here we go. Frank Mason splits a double team out to the corner. Robin Lopez, a three short. Not much going in right now for the Bucks. Three for 20. Oh! I'm gone it. Look at that. So after two possessions, the score stays the same. <laughs> a defensive battle. Two, two. Peggy, third possession. Go ahead. Number one. Number one. Here we are. Hand off left side to Corver. Out to Pat Connaughton. Brooke Lopez, another fading three. Good again for Brooke Lopez. Bango. How about the shooting by Big Brooke? Look at that. Mm-hmm. All, right, All right. Contain yourself, Peggy. Contain yourself. Contain your enthusiasm. Play a ball game left to play. Yes, yes. Still a lot of time left on the clock. May I please have highlight number 20? All the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Number 20. Let me get there. Here we are. DiVincenzo back in. He had nine in six minutes. John Morant has returned. Here's a steal by Dante. Excellent play, but I think he stepped out of bounds. Oh, come on. Yeah. As he was trying to track it down, that red sneaker hit the line. Oh, Peggy has a 5-2 to two lead. All right. Going into the fourth possession. Mm. Um, number 19. Number 19. Had to make sure it wasn't picked yet. 19, here we go. A little tardy getting out there with the defense. Lob it down to Lopez. Ball is almost turned over. 
Middleton, a three-pointer. Hit it with a foul. Oh, come on. Could be a big four-point play. Crap. Four-point play. Are you serious? Spent on earth. That's it right there? That's it. I mean... There's still room to play. I know. We've got two more, so you got to make this one count, though. I don't know. It could be bleak if this one doesn't count. Oh, for crying out... Well, I've, I've been shut out the last two possessions. Why did we do it during the show do. anyway? Um, whose idea was this? Me, yes, exactly. Um, I'm, what's my record in day games? Hey, there you go. May I please have highlight number 18? Number 18. Oh, baby. Left side, Bledsoe. Somebody pry the lid off here. Mm, please. Skip it out to DJ Wilson. Wilson in the corner. Nowhere to go. Good defense by Memphis. Brooke Lopez caught it in the lane. No good. Tip up. No good. Brooke again. Powers up on Valanchunas and got it to go. Hard work by Lopez. Bucks score about three minutes and seven seconds in. Hard work, Scott. <laughs> you didn't give up? No. Um. So heading into the final possession. I know. Should we, should we give her a shot? Well, what do you mean a shot? No, like give her an actual possession. Oh, yeah, for sure. i got to cover the spread. Okay, okay. There, that's what's important. <laughs> yes. All right, Peggy, take it away. Um, Number 10. Number 10 for the people of Vegas. Against the length of Chris Boucher. Here is Corver, another look at a three-pointer. Two in a row. Holy Double K for three. Bucks have tied the Way game. Go, oh, Lord. Let's go. I mean, all right. Now, I, I got to do, I just, what was the spread? I, I'm not, uh, may I please? It wasn't minus 10. For aesthetic purposes only, may I please have highlight number five? Number five. It. And here we go. They've got Smart on Middleton who catches left baseline, trying to get to his spot. Smart all over it. Fading jumper. Chris hit it anyway. Boy, that was a tough delivery against a good defender. 51-39. Bucks lead by 12. Middleton has 10. Giannis with a dozen. Wow. What a game. What was the final? Well done, Peggy. What Winning was the final? Here? In five possessions, 12 to 6. I that four-point play. I'll tell you something. When I lose, Woo-hoo. I lose. What a difference maker. What was the score on the other ones you lost? Oh, I, you, I don't keep track of that. Oh, I just keep track. Well, no. So, Peggy and West Bend, congratulations. You join Dave from Oak Creek, Craig and Muskego, the three individuals that have uh, knocked me off in virtual basketball. And it wasn't even close. You wiped the floor with me. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It was fun. You're welcome yeah. for the opportunity yeah. to wipe the Love floor it. with Good me. Good sport every time. We have Love no it. prizes to give you, Peggy, but we appreciate it very much, and I guess that makes Peggy the winner, and because there are no losers, that makes me today's non-winner in a Wagner Show edition of Virtual Basketball. Whose idea was that again? Deep to Shaq, and a three-second, oh, hallelujah, hear it from the chorus. You never see them make that call against Shaq. There are times he's developing a root system in there. People come by to water him. Texters now. Yeah, real mature. Oh, you lost to a girl. Yeah, real mature. Real mature. Sexist. Yeah, congratulations to Peggy from West Bend. I tell you, you hit that four-point play. It's like the daily double in Jeopardy. It can be a it can be a, a game changer.
And it was. So I appreciate her playing. Hope you enjoyed this edition of Virtual Basketball. After the news on WTMJ, it is a Friday. Pop Culture Corner is the domain of one Jeff Wagner. I will not trespass on that domain. And so we will bring you some Friday fun, some Friday frivolity. In light of, spent some time over the last uh, well day or two, just kind of doing some cleaning. I unclogged a drain the other day. Let me tell you, you guys know that I'm not Mr. Fix-It, Mr. Handy, Mr. You know, let me get in there and roll up my sleeve. No, I just that's not who I am. But let me tell you something. I'm unclogging this drain. I pulled some things out of that thing. It was it was the kitchen. I'm sorry. It was the bathroom drain that was clogged. I I don't know if you've done this recently if ever but i pulled some things out that had to have been prehistoric i mean there were, there were i don't know if there were fossils in there there are things going does this is this human i don't even know i'm telling you you want a project go unclog your go unclog and i would say the bathroom especially i mean the kitchen sink you're gonna it could be gross but the, the bathroom sink anyway did that was doing some other random things around the place and the one chore, so this is what we're going to do. The chore you hated the most as a kid, or I would say continue to hate to this day. The one thing that you got to do around that, maybe it's unclogging drains. But there's something even worse than unclogging a drain that I hate. And you have to do it from time to time. But I just despise it with a vengeance. So that's what we're going to do after the news with Rusty in just a moment. Start weighing in now. Shoot texts at 855-616-1620. Tell me why. Don't just, you know, give me a little bit of an explanation. The phone lines are open as well. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. Our edition of Friday Fun will be the chore around your home, your apartment, whatever it might, your condo, that you know you have to do. And maybe you put it off and put it off. Maybe it's an un, you know, clogging or unclogging a drain. And you hate it. You hated it then. You hate it and even more now. 855-616-1620. I will tell you mine. Jordan will weigh in. Rusty will weigh in. We will all weigh in. Unclogging a drain, not fun, but it's not my least favorite chore or my most hated chore as it was. So we'll jump into that after the news on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. All right, here we go. It's Friday. It's the 2 o'clock hour. We have a little fun. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The text line is already heating up, but plenty of open lines for you. 855-616-1620. Right before the news, I told you how I unclogged. Let me tell you something. There was something very empowering about it, and I know there's plenty of you mocking me and rolling your eyes, and what are you talking about? I'm I'm not a handy guy. I don't, and I admit it up front, and yet to to go in there, and I'm unscrewing the thing and taking it out, and I'm the plunger part or the, the plug part out and things like that, and then it put it back in, clean it out. There were disgusting things in the bathroom drain, and sink drain, and and it put it back together and water's flowing. Yes, I've done something. Look at me. Look at me. But it's a chore. Maybe you do it every so often, whatever, but there are other things you do more regularly, which got me to thinking, why not discuss, for a few minutes anyway, the chore you hate the most. 
Maybe it's something you still have to do now that you hated as a kid. Maybe something happened. Maybe um, uh, maybe you were taking the garbage out once as a nine-year-old. You were earning your weekly allowance. And as you took the garbage out to the back, you were attacked by a wolf. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's a drastic story. <laughs> well, it took a turn. But maybe something happened on your way to taking out the trash, and you have never recovered from it emotionally, mentally, psychologically. And now it haunts you to this day. Whatever the case might be, if I were to say, okay, what is the one chore you hate? You got to do it, but you hate it. 855-616-1620. I will tell you mine. But we take your calls and your texts. Let's start out as Jordan gets to some of the calls on the text line, shall we? 920, pitching out calf pens. I had to think for a second what that was in referencing. Pitching out calf pens. Hard work, hot, sweaty, stinks. I'm talking about baby cows, calves. You're cleaning that. Mm-hmm. 414 Texter says, this is great. Making my bed. I don't know why, but I just cannot stand it sometimes. I'll just sleep on my mattress uh, mattress because I don't want to make it. That's from Renee. <laughs> so, Renee, I don't know how old you are. I'll assume you're an adult, obviously. Still can't make beds. I never had an issue with making my bed. It was, it was one of those things where... And let me tell you, you know, there's something about an unmade bed... It's kind of like when you walk around in your pajamas all day. It just, it psychologically prevents you from having a normal day. There was just something about, I got to make my bed. I got to make my bed. Uh, let's see. 920 Texter says, hay bailing, hot, dusty, hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch and Sturgeon Bay, chore that he hates to do, unclogging the toilet bowl because, you know, it's the toilet bowl. However, I don't know if that's a chore. I guess when I reference chore, it's something you do on a semi, at least a semi-regular basis. Now, Mitch, I, I, I may, may, maybe Mitch needs more bran in his diet. I don't hey, know. what are you eating, man? Yeah. More, more roughage. <laughs> Apparently, unclogging the toilet for Mitch has become a chore, which might speak to other issues as well. Um, to the phones here, 8556 we know Mitch well. I don't know that I want to know him that well. 855-616-1620. Gianni in Montello wants to weigh in on the chore that he hates to do. Well, Scott, I hate to do it, and I have to do it. It's not really considered a chore, but I have to do it every three years because the state mandates it. So I have to go out in my, my yard and dig up uh, yards and yards of dirt because my septic tank cover is about 18 inches below the ground. So I, I have to get move all this dirt and put it on top so it doesn't harm my grass. And then I have to reach down and, and pull off this, uh, you know, 60-pound uh, concrete lid on my septic tank only to find Uh-oh. that, hey, there's no sewage in my tank because my septic system is working the way it should. Oh. But the truck backs up, and they, they, have to, they have to check it every three years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if the truck is full, um, the truck goes out and dumps it on the farm field. So what are they trying to prevent anyway? <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous, and it costs you about 100 bucks to have oh. it, have it uh, assessed. I hate doing that. 
At least you only have to do it, what did you say, every three years? Every three years. Uh, but it's unnecessary. Mm. But I have to do it. My back, my back doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> you have to do it, and then you do so much of the labor yourself, like you said, and you have to pay. A hundred bucks or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ellie, if if they did the labor, it would be 200 bucks. Now, let me ask you this, Gianni. Did you have to do it here in 2020? Where are we on the cycle right now? Uh, We've been been fine for uh, probably uh, 12 years. Nope, no no pumping necessary. No, 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 no. I mean, did you have to dig it up this year? Where Where is 2020 no, in the no, three-year no, no. cycle? Uh, uh, last year, last year, okay. last summer. Okay, so last we're looking summer. at 2022, so you got a couple years again. You need to hire somebody. To, isn't there like some neighbor kid, young strapping lad that can get in there and do it for you or something like that? Uh, there, yeah, there, there are some Amish kids around. Maybe I can get them to do it. That, um, you know, in 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 a couple of years. So all right, Gianni. I'm, I'm up in Amish country. Okay, fair enough. Thanks, you, buddy. Um, Gianni weighing in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Amish or not. There's young guys out there looking to make a few, but then you have to pay them to do it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty two six two. Texter says, "I hated to weed the garden." The only good thing was the raspberry bushes, especially when they were ripe. Mom could not figure out why she didn't have any berries to make in the jelly. The other benefit was the fresh vegetables that were available later in the season. Yeah, weeding can be, that can be one of those brutal chores. Okay, Marsha from Brandon, Wisconsin. The one thing I have always hated doing is, in all capital letters, vacuuming. I hate having to move furniture. I'll clean toilets, stoves, refrigerators. I'll Windex the window. But I hate to vacuum. That's a good one, Marsha. That is a good one. It's kind of close to my least favorite slash most hated chore. 262. Cleaning the litter boxes. Listen, if you have pets, if you have pets, that opens up a, a whole other realm of despised chores. That reminds me. On the uh, super secret text line, uh, we have a vote for cleaning the fish tank. It says, I didn't do it when I was younger, but cleaning the fish tank is my number one worst household chore as an adult. Nasty, gross, <laughs> slimy, bad. And he adds, it's for a stupid county fair fish from eight years ago that hasn't died yet. To which I would say, you know... Maybe it'd be it'd be a real shame if something happened to that county fish. Boy, that would be a real pity that, if, you know. Do you sleep with the fishes when you're already a fish? 855-616-1620. When we come back, we'll continue. The frequency of the chore definitely also adds to the annoyance. Although, like Gianni said chore he does every three years is still can you just imagine that like you're dreading uh uh, a year from today i'll be digging up the septic tank uh six months from now Mm. okay so gianni is not the only one who has that sentiment as it pertains to the septic tank the septic sentiment tom in hartford you're with gianni on this one aren't you i'm with tom with him all the way but uh, I did it, so I, I moved now from the house. But anyway, I did it for a number of years, and if you ask your hauler that comes out to pump it out, 
they have risers you can put in, like an 18-inch riser, and you'll be above ground. Mm. Put the cover on, and no problem after that anymore. Thanks for the call, Tom. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, maybe Gianni, hopefully Gianni's still listening. Yeah, somebody texted that in as well. Tell the septic guy, Gianni, I hope he realizes, henceforth will be known as the septic guy. Tell the septic guy to put on a riser, then he only has to dig down four inches. All right, 855-616-1620. As a mailman... They're calling themselves a mailman. I just want to point that out because people don't like that term. I hate cutting the grass after working all day. Yeah, and anytime you do something for your job and then there's a similar activity at home, yeah, that would be bad. You're walking all day. Now I got to walk my lawn and cut my grass. Again, hire the neighborhood kid. Hire a young Jordan Gazarowski. A young, industrious Jordan Gazarowski. Oh, I'll, I'll mow your lawn for you, sir. That's my... Your voice has since changed. That's Don't pretty worry. close, man. Hey, I like that. Let me ask you real quickly. What is the Gazarowski hated chore? Either now or as a kid or one and the same? Well, I still hate it, actually. It's folding laundry. Ooh. Do you know when... You have laundry pile up, and then you have to wash it, of course, then dry it, and mm-hmm. then fold it. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time. <laughs> that you, For me, it takes about 30 minutes just well, to fold laundry. Hey, let me tell you something. Back in my day, we used to take it to the nearest river and beat our clothes on a rock. How old are you, How Scott? long do you think that took? <laughs> I find doing laundry somewhat soothing, the process. It's, 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 well, here, you can do my laundry then. <laughs> no, I'm, not saying I don't wanna, I'm not saying I want to do more laundry. I'm just saying I, I do find it, it's very, uh, what do you say, cathartic? 262, um, I always hate needing to control weeds and tree saplings that keep popping up in my property without using toxic chemicals. Tedious, never-ending, especially in warm summers like this. Okay, 414 Texter. Here you go, Jordan. I absolutely loathe good word doing laundry mhm mhm a lot of people hate pulling weeds or tending to their flower beds 8556161620 bob and manty hi bob hello um when i was 6 or 7 years old we lived in a three family farmhouse mm. in franksville mm. and we had no indoor toilet facilities. Uh-oh. All we had was what was known as a water closet. Uh-oh. It was a, a closet with a chair in it with a hole, just the appropriate size hole mm-hmm. in the chair. Underneath the chair was a five-gallon galvanized bucket. And when we got done, you were hoping that you weren't the last one to, to uh, use it. Because you have to carry that bucket out to the outhouse and dump it. Oh. And you're, you pray to God that you don't spill it on your feet. Oh. How, how did you determine who had to empty the bucket? Like I said, you just hoping you weren't the last one to use it okay. and have it filled up. Oh, I, okay. So it's whoever whoever tops it off. Right. Would have to. Wow, I'm, I'm, we're not necessarily. We're, yeah, we're not, Bob. We're not necessarily ranking the chores, but if we were, or if we were going to give out a prize, that'd be a tough one to top. 
Thank God for indoor plumbing. Thanks for the call, Bob. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> kind of makes mine. I haven't said mine yet. 855-616-1620. Cleaning my rain gutters. Texter says, I can't believe in this day and age they have not figured a better design that would allow you to clean them from the ground. Well, I know there are all types of companies that, and I don't want to say the right or the wrong ones, but there's a whole bunch of you know, companies that are very successful making products that fit to your rain gutters, and, and then you don't have to clean them out. But if you want to, yeah, I don't know how you would do that from the ground. Hmm. John from Waukesha cleaning the cat litter box. Yeah. All right. When we come back, I will reveal mine. A few of you are saying it. A few of you are voting for it. 855-616-1620. The chore you hate the most. Somebody's voting for polishing silverware. There's a tedious nature to things. Tedious tasks, tedious chores are what really get me. We had a call. I think it was um, Michelle from Grafton. I wish she would have stayed because she was going to say my most hated chore. I can't stand dusting. Dusting. It doesn't matter whether you have a huge house or a tiny apartment or any something in between. Dusting sucks. It just does because you dust and within 11 minutes you go back to the tabletop or the end table or the la- whatever. And what? What? There's a, a thin layer of fresh dust is already accumulating. You could dust every day and it, it just, I hate it. I've hated dusting. I, 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 I do it because you have to and you, your houses or your part, whatever, looks like, you know, garbage. I hate dusting. I hate it. The tedious nature, you never feel as if you're accomplishing anything because you turn around, walk back into the room, and there's another layer of dust. That's what Michelle was going to say. There are some that are on the uh, on the text line as well, people saying how much they hate dusting. You never win with, at least when you mow your lawn, you know that it's going to look good for a week or so. You know, vacuum it, yes. I mean, all these, you, you unclog a drain, you're good for a while. You have to, you know, dig out your septic tank. You're good for three years, we've learned. Dusting never ends. Never. And you turn, even with a laundry, Jordan, even when you wash and do your laundry, you're good. You look at the pile, there's no pile. You look at the drawers and they're all full up again in, in your, you know, in your, in your, uh, in your chest of drawers. And, at least you made progress dusting. You turn around, and the stinking dust is right back where it was when you started. Rusty Melberg here with news. Are you with me on the dusting? I can understand, but, you know, for me with chores, there's not one that I hate. It's just how often you have to do wow. it. <laughs> really? You don't have one? You're like, yay, we get to do the dishes, or honey, I'll fold the laundry, I love it, or I'll make the bed, or things like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind it. I'm sorry. There's it, that it, one thing? No, it, it's what about, just... What about cleaning the toilet? <laughs> cleaning the toilet. You're getting in there. You, you got to get in there with the brush and the things and the scrubbing and the... When you work in retail, you realize that you get used to what happens at home <laughs> a lot better than what happens elsewhere. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> the stories I could tell you. I, please, please. We got all... <laughs> 
They got 28 minutes left. No, no. (laughs) 2.32. Let's have the news stories. How about that? From the station that brought you Brewers Classics and Bucks Classics, we are happy to announce that Sunday night we're bringing you a Packers Classic. There's no preseason this year, by the way. The Packers, they reported today, right? Today was the beginning of whatever the heck training camp is supposed to look like. So there is no preseason. They're going to dive into the regular season. Just cold, I guess. Well, I mean, they'll practice. I don't know. Who knows what it's going to look like? Hopefully it happens. But to tie you over, we're going to bring you a Packers Classic. This Sunday night at 6 o'clock, you say, well, what game? And let me tell you something. Think about all opportunities, all the options on the table to bring you a Packers Classic. This is a great selection that you're going to love, you're going to enjoy. I don't think we've, I mean, we've done Packers Classics for a bunch of years now, usually on their bye weekend. I don't think we've ever done this one before. We're going to turn the clock back to 1994. Jordan, how old were you in 94? <laughs> That's when I was born. Oh! You were a wee... It's a little wee, You lad. were a wee gazo. Uh, it's a little Jordan. Well, when is your birthday? April 24th. Okay, so you were alive for this. You were alive for this one. It is 1994, and it is Brett Favre's first playoff game. Packers down three, two minutes to go. In the Silverdome, in Detroit. Hmm? Hmm? You remember that game? Well, you're going to be able to relive it all Sunday night at 6 o'clock. I will give you a hint. If they lost the game, it would not nearly be as classic as if they won the game. But I think you guys know what happens. That's when Wayne Fonts was the head coach yes. of Detroit, I think. I remember that guy. Wayne Fonts. He was, he was so bad and yet good. And yet not awful enough for them to fire him. Anyway, yeah. Good job. Look at you. See, you were an infant and yet... Hey, you I know my knowledge. <laughs> oh, what did you... <laughs> you know your knowledge. I know my knowledge. I know my knowledge. I'm smart. I know my knowledge. <laughs> That's There's a t-shirt waiting to happen. Anyway, get to it, Scott. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Packers... Lions, 1994 playoff game. Packers Classic, sponsored by Health Tradition, Sitzberger and Company CPAs, and West Bend Insurance. That's going to be good. I know my knowledge. Can I just say this? We haven't gotten real political and gotten political at all today, by design. Hopefully you've appreciated it. We have to say this. Okay, I can't believe, I can't believe it has to be said. Um, I can't believe that we're at this point, but Kamala Harris is eligible to be the vice president of the United States. Okay. Now, you may not like her. You may not be voting for her and Biden, obviously. There may be no way in you-know-where that you would ever vote for somebody in that party. But please, do, do not allow yourself to believe that Kamala Harris is ineligible because of some sort of birth conspiracy. Just don't. 
I mean, come on. I thought we're beyond that. I thought we're better. We passed this. Um, Lindsey Graham, staunch defender of the president, right? Republican Lindsey Graham saying on Twitter today, there are plenty of issues to find disagreement with Kamala Harris regarding her record as senator or as a, as a VP nominee. She is consistently rated one of the most liberal members of the U.S. Senate, fully embracing a radical Democratic agenda. However, now this is Lindsey Graham. However, there is no issue as to whether or not she is an American citizen. She, this is him, she was born in the United States in 1964 to parents who were legally present. Under the Constitution and Supreme Court precedent, she is unequivocally an American citizen. Lindsey Graham of Kamala Harris. I I don't want to do this again. (laughs) I don't want to do this again. And we're better for it. So, again, you may not be voting for them. It's your right. But don't do it under the false pretense that she's not an American citizen. Just be better than that. You can be better than that. Okay. When we come back, I have a three-pack of stories I'd like to share with you before the weekend begins, including one clothing brand. Actually, there's more than one. But they're claiming to be making, speaking of clothes, jeans, dress shirts with anti-coronavirus materials. Oh, sign me up. I have a woman stunned, stunned when she got her new driver's license and looked at the photo on it. And... One way that one city in the UK is trying to save their squirrels. When we come back, it'll be a Friday Wagner Show edition of Great Scott. All right, we need to uh, correct the record here real quickly. Our Packers Classic broadcast on Sunday night was the 1994 playoff game in Detroit. Favre to Sharp, right? Remember that one? Okay, now I asked Jordan when you were born, you said April of 94. Now, I was unclear as to if this was the 94 season and thus the playoff game happened in January of 95. That is not the case. This actually happened in January of 94, thus it was the 93 season. Okay, it makes sense. So, Jordan, you were you you were not alive. You were you 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 had progressed from zygote stage. You were in in the final your mom was in the final trimester. You were kicking. You were punching. When, when he connected on the touchdown pass, I remember your mom saying she felt you leap a little bit in the womb. <laughs> I highly doubt that. I'm, I'm sure with her back then in 94, I'm sure she was taking a lot of naps back then. Yeah, but that, Instead of watching games, she wasn't a football fan. No? No. no. Okay. I tried. 248. Hit it. Great Scott. He knows it. You know, but you know your knowledge. I knew my knowledge, even though the game actually, I don't remember the game. I still knew that knowledge. The future of fashion. And, you know, if I'm not on the cutting edge of fashion, I'm not worth my weight in gold. The future of fashion is antiviral clothing. What? Health experts aren't buying it. A few large clothing companies are currently debuting new lines of apparel made with, quote, virus-fighting materials as part of their new marketing strategies in the age of COVID. Denim brand Diesel, you familiar with that brand? 
currently promoting an antiviral fabric for its jeans, a material said to physically halt 99% of any viral activity. It's slated to launch next year. The brand teamed up with a Swedish company for the garment protection technology, which they, can say, which they say can kill off viral activity within two hours of contact between pathogens and fabric. Clothing brands are marketing new apparel with anti-viral fabrics. Let's see, there's another one called uh, Polygene's Viral Off is said to safeguard against viruses, including COVID-19. A lot of science here. However... A disclaimer on its website says a face mask, quote, will never stop viruses from growing through it, but we can ensure viruses don't live in and on it for long. The viral off treatment won't come off in the wash, the company said. So it's not that it's going to prevent it, but the virus won't live on it. Apparently, research has shown that the most common way people can contract the coronavirus is through droplets in the air, coughing, sneezing. We know that. Doctors say they don't anticipate the antiviral fabric technology to be that vital to prevention. So the jury is still out. I mean, there are companies looking to capitalize. What have we said all along? Listen to the doctors. Listen to the scientists. Listen to the medical community. And apparently they're refuting this. However, there's no price tag on this. But I'm sure it'll cost a little bit more than your normal designer jeans. A woman in Tennessee got a new driver's license, right? She looked at it, and everything looked fine until you saw the photo that was used for her. The photo on her driver's license was an empty chair. Yes, that is right. She looked at it when she got it in the mail last week, surprised to find that in place of her picture ID, there was a photo of an empty chair. So she calls up the DMV. She says, uh, they didn't believe me. But then the lady goes on the computer to look up the photo on file for her and says, oh, uh, yeah, I need my manager for this. They said the error happened when the wrong image was captured and saved to the woman's profile. When the customer recently renewed her driver's license online, she received an image of a chair because that was the last picture taken on file. It's pretty funny. People have taken to making this a meme, taking photos of the chair, putting it in a, in a, behind the wheel of a car and things like that. She'll get a new driver's license. Meanwhile, when shown this story, Clint Eastwood said, I don't get it. Right, Scott! And last but not least, to the UK, in an effort to help save a red squirrel group, and a red squirrel population in Northumberland, a region of the uh, universe, uh, the United Kingdom. Special rope bridges have been installed above the B1326 road between Seg Hill Woods and East Cramlington Nature Reserve so that endangered red squirrels no longer need to take the treacherous trip over the busy road. Yeah, sure enough. Hungry red squirrels who once risked their lives to feast on hazelnuts in the wood can now dine safely. Every day, already endangered squirrels would make the treacherous trip from their home on one side of the street. Why do they cross the road? To get to the other side of the street. Now they can avoid the danger of passing cars thanks to two special squirrel bridges installed by volunteers. 
One woman who joined the group said, Red Squirrel numbers are doing well here at the moment, and we're excited to learn that there's a pregnant Red Squirrel which regularly visits a garden nearby. So, in order to help them from, you know, getting squashed, there it is. They've built an actual bridge from one end of the road to the other. It begs the obvious question, right? The obvious question being, okay, you've built the bridge for the squirrels to hopefully keep them from getting run over so they don't have to cross the street. The question is what? Come on, all together now. How in the world do you train a squirrel to use the bridge instead of trying to scamper across the street as squirrels have been known to do since the dawn of time? Hmm? I don't know. We'll save that saga for another time. In the meantime, this has been a Friday Wagner Show edition of 